Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. Now, here is your host, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast presented by Denver Stiffs. I'm your host, Adam Marez, and I'm actually recording this one today alone, no guests, and I'm here at my house up in Commerce City. Um, I'm doing something a little bit different. Um, now that the season be- is starting, I have a, uh, a couple different directions I've been building towards for the Pickaxe Podcast that I'll just go over real briefly. I'd like to start doing three podcasts a week. That's going to be my goal. One of those podcasts will be short, 10 to 15 minute monologues, as this one is. Another one of those will be what what we did over the summer, which is one-on-one interviews with a, a guest from around the blogosphere, you know, maybe some front office personnel, other other writers and TV people. So it'll it'll kind of be more or less what I've been doing with the podcast this summer. And then a third one I'd like to do either every week or every other week, more of a roundtable type thing where I have different Stiffs writers and, and maybe some writers from around the web come in and do more of a lighthearted roundtable fun type thing. Um, the inspiration for that would be like the Starters Friday Drop podcast where they kind of just go over fun stuff from, uh, from, you know, from Nuggets land. So that's my goal. That's, uh, this will be the first of the monologue type podcasts. Um, so just kind of be look on the lookout for that. Now that the season's picking up, there's a lot more to talk about, and I know Nuggets fans can never get too much uh, Nuggets coverage and Nuggets podcasts. So, I am recording this one at home. I'm not at Jake Sports and Spirits, but they are our sponsor, 3800 Walnut Street in Denver, Colorado. Great sports bar, and we're going to be there one week from today at Stiff's Night Out. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Starts at 5:30. It's going to go till after the Nuggets game. That's the Nuggets season opener against Anthony Davis, who looks like he'll be healthy, and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So come check out Stiff's Night Out. I, I really encourage people in the Denver area to come, especially to this one. We do about five or six Stiff's Night Outs throughout the year. And for the home opener, it's just all positive vibes. There'll be a lot of Nuggets fans there. And I think we're going to have 40 T-shirts, Denver Stiff's T-shirts, those really cool navy blue, cool logo T-shirts. I think we're going to have 40 to give away. So uh, we kind of need to plan... I don't know if it'll be a raffle or first 40 people there or what, but um, we'll have those t-shirts to give away, and it should be pretty great. Uh, Our other sponsor is Wash Club Denver. Uh, They are a local company here in Denver that offers on-demand pickup and delivery of your laundry. Go to washclubdenver.com or download the Wash Club app. 
And you can use the promo code STIFFS, S-T-I-F-F-S, and you'll get 25% off your order. Really great company, supporter of the podcast, so check them out. So I wanted to talk about, the main thing I want to talk about was the last two games, and specifically the main topic for the Nuggets, which is Balkan Buddy Ball. That's the Yerkich lineup. We need to settle on a name for that, by the way. Balkan Buddy Ball is really great, but it's kind of it's kind of a long one. It's kind of a mouthful. So Yerkich is obviously easy to say, but nobody outside of Denver knows what that means. They just think that's a player. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to think of something else. Twin Towers is kind of the go-to um, you know, for whenever you start two centers, but maybe we want something more specific. So we'll see what we come up with. Uh, it was a big test for Balkan Buddy Ball over the weekend with uh, the Portland game and then the Oklahoma City game. I want to start in Portland because I think that was more the fear that guys like myself had envisioned for for the Twin Tower lineup going against a power forward who's really a small forward, and that's what Al Farouk Aminu is. His his value is is very very much linked to the fact that he plays power forward. So uh, Gallo is a guy that's kind of like this, where I think he's better as a power forward. Paul George, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. There's a lot of guys in this mold who are really small forwards that move to the power forward position, but they just don't like doing it. Al Farouk Aminu got a huge contract in large part because he doesn't mind going to the power forward slot. Uh, I think you'll see Harrison Barnes play that that slot a lot this year in, in in Dallas. Amina's a tough cover in particular, not because he's a great shooter, even though he is. Uh, as, as we saw in the Portland game, he started the game four for four from three or four for five from from behind the arc in like the first three or four minutes. But um, more importantly, I think he's a tough cover because he can shoot and he can dribble. He's quick. I mean, he really is. I, I, I would guess he's 30 pounds lighter, maybe 40 pounds lighter than Jokic and just significantly faster. So Jokic has to provide space against a guy like Aminu. He can't you know, close out too hard because Aminu will just blow right past him. And then if he you know, kind of closes off or closes out slowly, then he gives up the wide open shot. So it was interesting because this was a first real test with that type of stretch four for that lineup. And Malone, surprisingly enough, he quit on it pretty early. I think Jokic went to the bench in the first four minutes. Um, and, you know, Portland did have a lead and, and Amino was getting comfortable. So there was a little bit of that sense of urgency of having to try something else. But all preseason, Malone has kind of talked about, you know, we're not going to panic. We want to bend them to our will and we want to, you know, it is preseason, so the adjustments have been slow. So I was a little bit surprised that he blinked so quickly in that game, not wanting to give up too much ground. My first thought is, you know, it could have gone, it's preseason. That game could have gone either way and things would have been fine. But I really would have liked to have seen, Amino is not going to hit four out of five threes for an entire night. Um, and Denver was actually scoring the ball really well. They just weren't getting stops. So I was curious to see, if, uh, if, if three more minutes of that, if Aminu ends up having like six three-pointers or if he just doesn't make another one and and Denver kind of slowly catches up. So I was a little disappointed to see him quit on it that early, even though the outcome was more or less what I thought would happen. The other way I thought was really interesting because obviously if you're giving up size, or I'm sorry, if you have a size advantage but you're too slow on one end, that means you have a, a height advantage on the other and I thought it was really interesting how deliberately the Nuggets went to Jokic in the post to open that game on Aminu. They had a couple isolation post-ups, which, which Jokic did a good job of drawing a foul, and, and he scored one. 
He settled for a turnaround fadeaway on another that was, you know, he probably shouldn't ever settle for that against a smaller guy, especially that early in the game. But I thought uh, it was interesting how, how much they were going to that and just trying to exploit the mismatch. And I'll say this, Portland's a very smart team. I would say they're a top five smartest team, uh, smartest well-coached team, and then just have high IQ basketball players on their roster, in part because they play so small, they're basically playing with four guards. Uh, and guards tend to have a little bit better, you know, basketball IQ, just painting a broad strokes there. But uh, what they what Portland started to do is they knew they were going to try to exploit the mismatch. The Nuggets got a little bit stagnant with those post-ups, and then Jokic was facing a double team, and, and they were kind of taking away the easy post-up. I would have liked to have seen Denver be a little bit more organic and free-flowing in their offense. One of the problems with Balkan Buddy Ball is that it, it does tend to – the shots that the Nuggets get tend to be Nurkic shots and, to a lesser extent, Jokic shots. And and so I think w- one of the strengths of any offense is to have the diversity in the game. We think about Golden State, one of the things that makes them so dynamic is they have five guys that are a threat to score at any, at any moment. And even though they have Kevin Durant, who is maybe the best scorer in the world, and Steph Curry, who's also maybe the best scorer in the world, the, the ball's always moving, and you never really know what they're going to do with it. So... With the Nuggets in that game in particular, I thought they got a little bit predictable trying to exploit a mismatch, and I think they would have had better success if they would have just run their offense because the mismatch would manifest itself through through a free-flowing offense. If the Nuggets are getting five or six passes in a, in a half-court possession, that Jokic mismatch is going to find the ball, or the ball, rather, is going to find Jokic in the right spot, and that's a little bit better than just the obvious dribble-down post-up. As much as we can overreact to that game because, you know, Malone quit on it so early and Aminu got so hot and you can kind of envision those types of stretch fours always scoring against that lineup, the second wave of of the lineup actually looked pretty good. So I know the game started and that's kind of what you remember is that first four minutes, but the second wave of it was actually okay. And part of that, I think, was because you're playing against a fatigued lineup and you're playing against more of a mix-match bench starters lineup. Um, so a little bit less prepared, I would say. You think about Portland, and they not that they really game plan for a preseason game, but a lot of their planning was around how are we going to exploit this mismatch? Oh, hey, they're starting Jokic at power forward. Amino, you're going to be open. And, and just that preparedness. Whereas once you go to a bench unit and the game is kind of played for 15 minutes, a team is a little bit less focused on that one adjustment that they made. So... I think the lineup, I, I think that goes to show that that lineup still can be, uh, I'm still higher on it than I was three weeks ago, and I still think it has a, a role on this team and a very important one. But I think, um, as I'll get to here in a little bit, I think it's much better later on uh, in the games than it will be always to start against those types of lineups. The OKC game, moving on to that one, is, is kind of interesting because it was such an opposite where Portland is a heavy three-point shooting team and a dribble penetration with lots of moving parts and four guards. Oklahoma City has no shooting, very little spacing, but they have two bruisers. And, and, and actually, in this game, they started Sabonis, who uh, is more of a stretch, not really a stretch four, but uh, kind of a mid-stretch four. I don't know. He's a, I would say he's a playmaking four, even though he's a rookie. And he knocked down a couple of big shots. You know, in, in an article I wrote yesterday on com, I talked about how the Nuggets are willing to give up certain types of shots, and those are mid-range contested jump shots. Well, I thought the Nuggets did a good job of of forcing Oklahoma City into those shots, and you know what? They hit them. Um, 
Sabonis hit a baseline 19-footer, almost a three-pointer. And, you know, those are kind of shots I think you just tip your hat to and, and don't panic. The other way, the Nuggets couldn't throw the ball into the ocean. They started one for 12 from three. So you look at the lineup, and there's some. Oh, I'm going to get into some critiques. But again, in that game, I don't think that the Jokic-Nurkic combination was the main area of of worry for me I, I look at that and i say you know what they could have made two or three more threes and the game is tied rather than being down you know 9 10 11 or whatever it was early the big there are bigger issues at play i thought than the Jokic nurkic lineup um shooting obviously being a big one and the other one being not being able to contain russell westbrook now playing with two two bigs that kind of shut off Westbrook's like drive and, and hammer dunks that he that he's known for, and I think last year that's what you would have seen is Westbrook getting past the first line of defense and then finishing and scoring. Um, instead, what was happening was this conservative style of defense with the bigs kind of ate itself in that you know the bigs were dropped back because they have a big guy that they're guarding. Westbrook would kind of step into the paint and the big would step up and then Westbrook would drop it off. And Adams did a really good job of making those like seven and eight foot flip shots that he's added to his arsenal, which I thought were really impressive. Adams looked great. Um, but I don't think you can look at it and just say Adams dominated the matchup as much as he did. I think there was a lot of things playing into getting Adams in position to dominate. And that stuff goes back to problems of last year, which were containing Westbrook on the pick and roll. So there's a lot of stuff at play there. Um, I think teams are going to start exploiting the Nuggets pick and roll a little bit, or, or rather I should say, I think the Nuggets pick and roll needs to to really improve over the next week, or, or else I think they will run into some problems, because they're doing a good job of taking away that first line of drop, drive past the screen, kick out for three, which is what Malone's number one issue was, but they're still allowing people into the paint, and Moutier still, and, and Jameer Nelson obviously, and, and, and Jamal Murray is still very, very slow at fighting through screens. And I think that's going to be an issue going forward. Um, if I'm if I'm scouting the Nuggets, if I'm an, an advanced scout for an opponent or uh, for an opponent that's coming into Denver, my advice is you know we're going to open the game with a handful of high pick and roll sets designed to get free throw line jumpers. And I know those aren't uh, the most efficient plays over 48 minutes and over 82 games, but I think it works in this instance in that you're going to get such great looks that if you can manage to knock down 60% of them, the Nuggets defense, I think, is going to react to that. So that's just something to keep your eye on. Um, the other big takeaway from this Oklahoma City game, and this is probably my biggest critique of so-called Balkan buddy ball, is that Nurkic is such a loud player when he's on the court that loud as in his presence is felt for both good and bad, that I think he takes away some of shots that 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 he shouldn't be. And I posted a video on Twitter last night of one very obvious example of this. And, and Kenneth Fareed set that pick and roll, and he rolled, and he kind of had spot on the block. And I think, I think it was Jameer threw it to him on the block, but before the ball got there, Nurkic kind of barreled in front of, of Kenneth Fareed and stole the pass, basically. I don't think Nurkic intended to steal it from Fareed. I just don't think he had the court awareness to realize what was going on. He kind of just saw an opening and thought, I'll shoot the gap there and and, and try to score. Well, what he did was he took away a shot from Kenneth Fareed, and, and Kenneth Fareed's body language was, as, as very understandably so, a little bit frustrated on that play. 
and because he had a shot opportunity for himself and, and Nurkic kind of stole it. But more importantly, that's just not understanding where where you're supposed to be on the court and understanding all seeing all five guys on your team and knowing where where you should be and, and, and what's going on. So that's something that I've noticed with Nurkic for two years or three years now watching him. He uh, when he's on the court, the ball finds its way into his hands more frequently than it should. Um, he, he's a very good player in a lot of respects, but I don't think he's a guy that should be taking up 30% of your possessions. And, and more importantly, he's taking away shots, I think, from other players that are capable of being playmakers. Jokic was another guy that I thought was really frustrated in that game. There was, there was a very con- concerted effort in the Oklahoma City game to get Jokic touches uh, later on in the game in the second, third quarter. And I think it was because they kind of saw like, oh, we're not finding Nurkic in spots where he can score, where he's best used. And so how do we do that? And it had to be a little bit more deliberate. It was almost like they drew up three or four plays in a row for Jokic. If if the synergy on a team is right, you don't have to do that very often. You don't have to call a timeout to say, hey, we need to get so-and-so some touches. And um, so I don't want to put that solely on on Nurkic, but it, it is a, a, in large part, I think, just something he's going to have to learn is where to pick his spots. And that kind of brings me to Steven Adams because – I said last year I thought Stephen Adams could be a really good uh, example to Nurkic of, of what he can become. And, and in this regard, their games are very similar in that they're both really, really, really strong. They're really great rebounders. They're really great defenders. Um, Adams more of a positional defender and Nurkic more of an intimidator and shot block, blocking defender. But they're both they're both really, really, really skilled and strong for their uh, you know for their height and size. Adams is. Maybe his best skill, I mean, he's a great rebounder, he's a pretty good passer, He, but I think his best skill is that he knows what he is and knows what he's not, and he knows he knows what his role is, and he like not only accepts it, but it's, it's almost like he embraces his role. And with Nurkic, I think, for me personally, I think his role on the offensive end should be dialed down, dialed down quite a bit. Um... And if you look at Adams last night, he was kind. Of, he had a ton of points. I think he had twenty something points. But a lot of those were on like drop offs and just being. He he clear carves out his space on the block, and and then when the ball comes to him, he kind of either flips it in or dunks it. And he actually had a couple of nice, really nice post moves. With Nurkic, I think one of his best skills. He's so strong. As a defender, as a post defender myself, obviously at a much smaller level, one of the things that I hate defending is big guys that you can't move off the block. So if I'm guarding like a 280 pound solid, you know, solid muscle guy, and he's kind of just holding that spot right in scoring position on the block, it makes it so much harder for me to help off when there's dribble penetration because I know I haven't pushed that guy out of scoring position. So I have to leave one guy in scoring position to prevent another guy. Adams is kind of the quintessential that guy in that he he's a pest and Nurkic is, and whoever's guarding him is kind of distracted by him because they're like, I'm trying to move him off the block. And then the dribble penetration comes. In this case, it, it's Westbrook and you step up and that leaves the drop off. So Nurkic is a guy I think could be great at that or it can improve himself in that area. And that's where a lot of his his scores are going to come, in my opinion. I think he can up that type of scoring and maybe dial back a little bit the isolation post-ups, and even some of the short rolls he catches, um, which are low expected point value shots. So I thought I thought Adams is a really good example. 
of what Nurkic can become. And, and Nurkic has a lot of just physical and even skill advantages over Adams. Nurkic is a better shooter and passer than Adams. So if he can learn some of these Stephen Adams skills, I think he can be every bit the player and better and more dynamic than Stephen Adams, which is saying a lot because I have, I think Stephen Adams is a top five center in the NBA. Um, he's good at the things that I think are important. So he's missing maybe some some of the footwork and, and and stuff like that that other guys have on him. But that stuff is less important to me than knowing your role, being a great rebounder and screen center and defender and versatile defender. Last thing I wanted to talk about was the Nuggets' strengths are kind of become coming into focus early in this preseason, and that's rebounding. Um, they're one of the best rebounding teams from top to bottom, not just their bigs. Nurkic obviously is a huge part of that. I mean, if he played 30-something minutes a game this year, I think he could lead the league in rebounding, or he'd at least be up there with guys like DeAndre and and, and uh, Andre Drummond. So he's he's been rebounding the ball phenomenally. I think the other thing Nurkic does and the team does is they draw fouls. Gallinari is one of the best in the league at drawing fouls, and Nurkic... As much as Nurkic fouls, he gets fouled probably twice as much. He goes to the line a ton. He was missing his shot yesterday. I think the Nuggets worked out triceps or something right before the tip-off. But um, he, but he's really good at drawing fouls, and that's a huge skill. It's a huge skill because it puts the opponent on their heels and gets them worried about foul trouble. But even more importantly, defensive possessions following free throws are some of the best possessions you can have as a defense because your defense is rested, it's set, it's prepared. Um, so the more that the Denver can, they want to speed up the game going from defense to offense, but they want to slow the game down going from offense to defense, and drawing fouls is a huge part of that. The other big strength is depth, and this is this is kind of what I wanted to get into. The Nuggets have looked really, really good this preseason. I think phenomenal. Like, playoff worthy caliber team when they've had a full squad now they've rested a lot of players i think they've played three games with you know most of their roster and in those games golden state being the best example they just have waves of players and talent and different combinations they can throw out there and it's really exciting and the games where they've rested a lot of players like last night they have not looked very good in the nurkic Jokic combo has looked even worse in part because there's nobody to fill in behind them. So this brings me to, I asked uh, Michael Malone about Darrell Arthur because he's a guy that's a big part of the front court rotation, but they've been so focused on figuring out the front court rotation without him that I wondered what he would have to say uh, or, or, or where Darrell Arthur would fit in when he comes back. And he had this to say. Darrell Arthur, obviously a big part of the rotation. Do you know right now, do you feel like you have a good hold of where he fits into the rotation? Or do you think it'll take a little bit of tinkering with when he gets back? Yeah, I'd probably lean more to the tinkering side. You know, um, I think there'll be a lot of tinkering this year. Um, again, you know, uh, I love our roster and the depth that we have. You know, when, and when you play a team like Golden State, it plays so much small ball. You know, it's tough to play, you know, more than two bigs. You know, we got Kenneth in there last night, obviously, with, with Nicola and Yusuf. But, uh, you know, D.A. was able to get on the floor today. Every time he's on the floor, it's great to see him. He's still a little ways away from, you know, um, being ready to play contact. So when we get to that point, we'll figure it out. Right now we have, obviously, Jarnell Stokes was great off the bench last night, fourth quarter overtime. But, you know, between Nurk, Jokic, and Kenneth, kind of a three-headed big man monster right now and. When D.A. comes back, you know, he's another guy that finds his way on the floor because how hard he plays, he defends, he makes shots, and, uh, you know, he's a pro's pro. Clearly it's uh, 
clearly with Darrell Arthur, I think it's going to be a slow um, reintroduction for him and, and some tinkering, as he likes to say, tinkering. I, I love one of the things I love about Malone is if you use a funny or big word to him, he uses that word like six times in the press conference. It's kind of a joke. So with this one, it was tinkering, but he. Uh, I think I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to figure out where Darrell Arthur fits into that rotation because right now I really like obviously Jokic on the court in a small ball setting with four you know wing players. I like Nurkic on the court with four wing players. Uh, I liked Kenneth Freed at center with with small lineups and obviously the twin tower lineups is is good as well in stretches. So where does that leave Darrell Arthur, who's kind of a tweener himself? You can't really if you go. Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Freed, that's not really a small ball lineup, but it's not a big ball lineup either. So um, it'll be a little bit interesting. I think it'll probably take a month for Malone to really figure out where Darrell Arthur fits into all of that, assuming there aren't any other um, trades or anything like that. So uh, that's all for today. Quick little podcast, but just wanted to go over some of the stuff I'm seeing. And again, I hope to be doing more of these monologue type podcasts in the 15 to 20 minute range throughout the season. Um, just because I know there's a lot of little odds and ends to discuss. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.